This is episode number 157 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stanett. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Standard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and professional speaker and presenter. On this episode, I interviewed Dr. Benjamin Ritter, who he was actually a guest on my other podcast, High Impact Leaders. However, just a couple of questions into the, the interview, I asked a very simple question about his background that uncovered this treasure trove of of um of things that I think you can use if you want to use public speaking as a way to market yourself or to market your business. Um, I was I was absolutely mesmerized by what he did to build his entire consulting business from scratch. It is fun. It's entertaining. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. By the way, the podcast is brought to you by the Two Day Fearless Presentations Public Speaking Class. So for those of you who haven't heard yet, the the governor of Texas opened up the state 100% across the board. So if you are absolutely sick of wearing masks and sick of social distancing, and you've been waiting for an opportunity for for to to uh, conquer public speaking fear, um, we've actually scheduled a two day fearless presentations class at the Hilton that's just outside of the Dallas Fort Worth airport. It's scheduled for April 22 and 23. And uh, airline tickets, by the way, are still really, really cheap if you book a couple of weeks in advance. And hotels are, are they're almost giving away the rooms at the moment. So this could be one of the most opportune times to hop on a plane, enjoy the freedom of Texas, and conquer public speaking fear once and for all. By the way, details are on our website at www.fearlesspresentations.com. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure and do that. Uh, and if you really like the content, make sure and give us a five-star rating and write a review for me this week. That would be, I, I really appreciate all of the uh, feedback that we get from you guys. So it re- really means a lot to me. So enjoy the interview with Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Hey, so on the episode today, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Benjamin Ritter. And um, he, he's he's involved with a group called Live For Yourself Consulting, uh, has a fantastic background in helping people kind of enjoy their jobs, you know, how helping them uh, take the the career, the path that they're on and just make it absolutely fun. And he uses public speaking a lot to promote that. So, so welcome, Benjamin, and uh, welcome to the, the podcast. Hi, hi. Happy to be here, Doug. Thanks for having hi. me. Good deal. So, so tell us about your background, because you've got kind of a unique background. You started out in the academic world and um, you know, got your got your credentials, and then uh, ended up doing a lot of consulting, and then started your own business. So, kind of tell the tell the listeners about how that all kind of happened. Yeah, I very much speak to the the point of being proactive in your career instead of reactive. Can you create a career you love? The only way to do that is to feel empowered and accountable for it. Sure. And I was really big in the personal development space uh, a little bit ago. I'd say before I even started Live for Yourself Consulting, a lot of a lot of bit ago, and uh, you know, loved the the area of personal development. Loved 
putting myself in uncomfortable situations and growing Ch- new, new challenges, l- learning new things, uh, spreading my wings and growing, so to speak. Uh, but in my career, I was kind of at a standstill. I was in executive healthcare. I was, I was resentful, I was resentful towards my organization. I felt like they were supposed to give me meaning. They were supposed to make me happy, right. which is one of the greatest misbeliefs in, in a person's career. Right. Uh, and I was side hustling as a coach in the dating and relationship realm, which which was that actually is partially responsible for how I have used and leveraged speaking to build my business. And we can get yeah, into that. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but I didn't like anything I was doing. I felt super misaligned. And so I, I basically did a hard stop. And I mean, this, the actual experience was I was walking to work one day and I was dreading going into work. Mind you, I could walk to work. So great, That's pay, cool. great <laughs> benefits, great people to work with full autonomy at my job was an executive had a career path ahead of me to probably become a CEO later down the line. And I could walk to my job. That, that's how good it was. But I was dreading going into work. And I was just just, just thinking, out of curiosity, what were you doing at the time? What were, I mean, because that sounds like a pretty good, that sounds like what the mo, what the rest of us are kind of working towards. So yeah, what was it I that mean, you were doing? I was a healthcare executive. So I was basically just an executive on the on the team of other executives. So I worked nice. closely with the the person responsible for business development for financial, for, you know, our CFO, uh, our VP of our chief nursing officer, our chief medical officer, right. our CEO. I even actually ended up becoming a financial manager for a good six months because it, our, the person quit. I needed to step into that role. So I did, I did basically everything wow. with the executive team. Uh, but it, I, I transitioned to that role from a quality improvement process improvement job, which had me directly impacting patient outcomes. And so I went from this, what I felt a very meaningful position into more of a, you know, a leadership management administrative position, which for a lot of people that go through job change, uh, transitions have a tough time dealing with it because they, they sure. move from being in the work to being above the work and they, they have to alter their perspective, reframe how they see their work to be able to reconnect the meaning to it. Uh, but another story, nice, <laughs> that's yeah. a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, but so basically I, I took a hard audit of what my strengths were, what challenges I wanted to face, what passions I really, really cared about in my life. And that led me to the talent development, personal development realm. Um, and at that time I was speaking for building my, my coaching practice. I actually uh, networked with an organization uh, out in Canada to, to bring their company to Chicago, which is where I was living at the time and basically facilitated, hosted, marketed, you know, did everything for those events to build my personal brand um, and used actually that platform to make the pivot into the talent development, personal development realm, uh, which I also ended up getting my doctorate, going back to get my doctorate and getting published in it and rebuilding and rebranding myself. Uh, but you speaking throughout this whole process to ensure that I built a community, was able to then get clients, you know, as well as to, to rebrand because I had this whole different brand before. Um, and the only way to do that, at least at that time, that I that I felt was the most influential, was to to be the person speaking and hosting right. my own events. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're the person up in front of the group, everybody considers you to be the expert, right? Even if you don't know anything, but if you do know something and you can prove to people that you are the expert when you speak, then man, that's that's even better. So, so um, they're going to be. I I know what you you're going to have a bunch of people out there right now going. Holy cow! I want to do that. Um, wait, what did you do? How did you do that? That kind of thing. Can you yeah. Give us an example of of like what would one of these events look like? And and I, I tell you, let me do this. 
Because I've done those when I first started, I kind of did those. And I would imagine that's probably when you were starting out, you probably had some flubs that just didn't work the way that you wanted it to. I had I had a public speaking class that I gave away for free once that I had a single person show up and I rented like a 300 person ballroom. It was it was terrible. It was a horrible, horrible kind of experience. And then later on, figured out how to do it. And, you know, there was a learning curve involved. So what was what were some of the things that kind of happened in that process when you when you were kind of figuring things out? Yeah. And I, I promise and everyone listening, no matter how many years you've been doing events, they probably will be an event that you have that one person at a room, <laughs> which is why actual virtual, like virtual events are so magical right now, because you know how many people are for, are probably coming, right? You can communicate directly with them uh, pretty quickly and easily. Sure. And you can also pivot that event um, if you need to, based on group size uh, fairly nice. easily as well. Uh, and just th- there's a broader reach, right? More people can attend. So that in itself makes it a lot easier. Uh, now, the pricing strategies are a little different, but right. talk about that. Uh, so, I mean, I tried everything. Like I went to every <laughs> single event platform. So overarching, keep, keep your costs low. You don't want to rent out a ballroom. Right. And, and, and so a lot of my, I wouldn't say people that are starting, please be careful about that. Um, so my biggest strategy was how can I do all of this for free? So at the time, I reached out to every place that I saw hosting events and made a pitch to host an event there and, and build a, a network and relationship there. Uh, a couple of my best kind of relation partners were co-working spaces because they wanted to promote their space and they right. had available space. Right. Um, some were bigger than others. So some I could only do small events in, some I could do large events, but then they would also promote those events to their current membership, which was free advertising for myself. Sure. Um, there were other event spaces that were open to hosting events, but a lot of times if you find an event space, the only stream of, of income or revenue that an event space has is events. So they're less likely to actually offer you that space. So I, I would reach out to these co-working spaces. I built a relationship. I'd, I'd, I'd actually attend other events there to meet the, the people, the event coordinators and build a relationship with them um, because nothing, nothing builds a relationship like a, a face-to-face conversation despite sure. the, the way that we are virtually. Uh, and then I would just make it really easy for them. I pitched them something that was not about selling. It was about bringing community, uh, really representing their space, promoting their space. Uh, and the format though was built off of, of bringing in thought leaders. So I basically have other people market the event for me right. and creating an emotive and experiential um, opportunity for people that came. So they were going to dive in personally to things that they cared about and they were going to meet strangers. And so I facilitated that. And I think mainly because I facilitated that type of environment where I was really creating a mood of, of opportunity and of motivation and empowerment for people that attended, they were more likely to come back and share that experience. Uh, so that was helpful. Um, nice. I also initially gave a lot of tickets away for free. Right. <laughs> and uh, kind of like restaurants want people sitting in the windows. You want people that you don't know coming to your events to feel like they're at something that they don't want to miss next time. So that was right. some of the initial strategies and happy to to expand from there. But I'll pause for a second. No, that's cool. That's that's great. I mean, that, that that's the kind of stuff that that is it it's golden because they're, they're I mean, you put in in that little 
like three minute recitation of kind of what you were doing. I mean, I'm as a, as a business owner, I'm picking up like three or four different, really, really cool ideas on things. Like, oh, wait a minute. That's a good way to kind of. We didn't even get into sponsorships or, or getting email addresses when they walk in. Like, oh, there's so many things we could talk about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that you mentioned though, was that you were to the, the, the the co-branding or the partners that you're, I'm assuming that what you were doing is you were trying to partner with or bring speakers on that also had a list of of um, of either customers clients or newsletter list or something like that so that when so now they promote you through theirs as well you're promoting on your you're promoting them on your list they're promoting you on their list and so that kind of at least leverages the the um, the chance that you're going to fill up those seats right yeah the the best way also if you're trying to create clients is to create some sort of speaking platform for your target client or the target partner that you want to actually engage with and create a relationship with. I'd even say some of my best friends for speakers that I had at my last events. And that right. was only the, they probably wouldn't have picked up the phone, but they're also my best friends that are in positions that I was like, that were ahead of me. Right. And so they were people that I was aspiring to have a conversation with and build a relationship with. And because I gave them a platform and promoted themselves, uh, them, I was able to then build that relate or have it, have the door open because right. the relationship doesn't come from the event. Uh, the relationship starts at the event in terms of how you manage it and how you communicate with them. And are you being professional and are you being personal, personable? And are you, are you really uh, showing them that you're, that you can do what you're saying you can do and then filling the room, right? So they have the same experience that you want the attendees to have, but then also in the follow-up. So what I started doing is other than just having the speakers there, I would then also interview them for a podcast. And then I would promote that podcast throughout all my media channels. And then when I wanted to re-engage with them, I'd push that podcast out again, tag them in it, and then follow up with them. So um, how are you engaging and building a relationship with the people that you want to build relationships with? And events really give you that opportunity. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I had I, something you said there just started. It, it had I had a really good question. I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to go a different route here. Um, when uh, because I, I want to kind of transition to some of the stuff that you want to talk about too. But this is fascinating stuff. I could probably do an hour just yeah, on. I'm, I'm happy talking, talking about this stuff too. By the way, I don't because it's like just <laughs> this is cool too. I don't get to talk about this a lot, but events have literally been like the way that I've become who I am with my business. Okay. okay. I got, I got a great, I got a great transition that you're going to love. I think anyway. So, um, so, okay. So I'm assuming this is just me, you know, because I'm in a similar industry. I'm in an industry where we speak for a living and, and the best way to, to make an income anyway from speaking for a living is to have really big groups and meetings and lots of them and everything. So I'm assuming that when COVID hit, you had to pivot quite dramatically. At least that's my assumption. <laughs> You're smiling. So I'm guessing that that's true, right? Well, it's, it's so funny. Uh, so I hit a point in my business, like when COVID hit, that I was like, okay, I can, I'm fine. I have a LinkedIn brand. I have enough media appearances. Right. I have enough clients and referrals and partnerships. Like I don't need events anymore. But, and so I'm just like, I'm just going to take a break. And this is great because it also, I was able to move because everything that I was doing in person, I was like, I don't need to do, I don't need to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then I was like, man, I really miss events. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I miss meeting new people, new thought leaders and speakers. 
and not just like for a podcast interview, but in a, in an event space. And then I miss right. bringing people together and having them being interested and having them work on questions and, and have these major epiphanies and to do it in a way too. Cause I, I actually never charged for my events. Very few, maybe every now, a couple of times I've charged, but it was very minuscule amounts of money just to in, ensure people came. Uh, and so they were, I was really doing them for my brand, for connections. And just because I truly enjoyed them. And I was like, I guess I'm going virtual. <laughs> and I remember I was, I just, and it was like, it was so neat because once I made that decision, I became aware of every single platform that was looking for speakers. And it was any company that was doing anything like <laughs> needed content. Right. And it's like, you couldn't, you could not, like you, you, it was just like, there was so much of it. It was amazing. Um, and it just broadened my reach internationally. It, it brought me to, to new spaces. It, it brought a whole new stream of income for corporate workshops, like a series of workshops instead of just like a one, you know, hour and a half kind of, kind of thing. Uh, but that didn't, that, that doesn't happen unless you, you were able to sit down and do some outreach. And I work with a lot of clients that are trying to build their businesses and right. they're afraid of speaking. They're just, it's just afraid. And so, um, you know, the only way to, to get unafraid is to do smaller engagements, to videotape yourself, to watch yourself, to edit your own audio, to take out the ums and the pauses and the weird phrases that we all say, because we all have the, our catchphrases, even if we don't know it. Uh, but it, once you feel confident enough to do it, like if you just spent two hours on a weekend looking up events on Eventbrite or looking up, just typing in events, doing a Google alert search for presentations or speaker speaking engagements or under the keyword of the industry you want to speak in. Right now, it's it, it, there's never an easier time to find organizations that are open to personal and professional development or speaking engagements. And then you just email them or you connect with them on LinkedIn and you start having a conversation or you have your, you know, you have someone else do it for you because it looks better that way. But it's, it's like, it's it's been incredible. The pivot's been incredible. I'm happy I've kept it up. Hey, okay, real quick, I I want to I want to ask you like seventeen questions about some about all the stuff that you just mentioned. But there was something that you mentioned earlier that as soon as you said it, I'm like, what? Okay, so all of those events that you were doing, or most of those events that you were doing prior to COVID, when you were getting people to your meetings and that kind of thing, you weren't charging for. So how were you making income? Was that through your consulting? I'm guessing, or or what? What's the how did yeah, so, the, how did yeah, you so, how did you generate income from it? So corporate events charge, right? And nor normal yeah, speaker sure. fees. That's right. right. Sure. Uh, personal events I'm hosting most of the time free. Uh, then a couple of, my, you know, I said, keep the cost down. So a couple of my venues started charging. So I charged a minimal amount to break even. Right. Uh, but I would also have, I would reach out to brand new CPG brands or brands that were kind of like moderately new. And they're more than happy to donate product. So I've also built a lot of relationships with really amazing companies like, uh, Rise Bar, uh, Life Aid, uh, and one of the bigger ones, Cliff Bar, um, and then some smaller Chicago-based companies uh, like Hello Water. Well, they're not Chicago; they're, they're international, sure. international now. But like, you reach out to them; they're their marketing associates, or even on their Instagram, they'll donate some cases. And so I kept I kept my my cost down low. But once the venue started charging a little bit, like my WeWork started charging, I added a little bit of money and uh, used that money to pay for the event space, which is only like 150 bucks or something, which is nothing right, when yeah, you look at an event space. And to sometimes pay for a videographer because I had a certain level of speaker that I that I wanted to get. And if you invest any money at all in your events, get a videographer that has decent sound quality and mics because you can use that those pictures to promote your events, the videos to promote the events, and more importantly, the videos to promote the speakers. 
And if you hold those videos and you post them on your YouTube channel or your website, you are now getting traffic based on that, those speakers' audiences and brand, which is amazing. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really care to make money from the events. It was the, the events built the community that brought me clients. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically your, that community is kind of like your authority. You're, you're building your authority in that community so that you're the expert so that when folks have a challenge, they're automatically going to look up you because they've heard you talk about that thing for five or six or 10 times now, or seen your YouTube channel or listen to you on a podcast, or they were promoted. You were promoted by one of these partners that you're working with. That's pretty awesome. There's, there's a, a little, like I've, I'm trying to remember what marketing book this was in, but it said, you know, they're like, always have something to invite people to. Right. And so events let you do that. Events let you meet somebody, a, a warm lead, a potential client, even a potential friend. And you're just like, hey, you need to come to this. I do them every month. Like at the end of the month, I have a, a huge digital retreat that we're doing. And mm -hmm. if anyone saw that and saw the website, instant credibility, um, instant interest and curiosity in who I am. Uh, and also at, at events, which is what I would recommend. A lot of times people have an event and then they end the event and then they take those email addresses if they've captured them and market to those email addresses. That's okay. But what's even more effective is have an event at the event, ask a question about your business. And then if they're interested in it and then target those, those potential clients, because they've already given you an extra yes. Yeah. And so I started doing that through my events and that also really boosted my, my client, uh, my client acquisition. Yeah, cool. And and so you you kind of mentioned that you were you know when when COVID hit and you did the transition and started to to um you know we were just overwhelmed or or um, surprised by the number of locations out there or platforms that were looking for for speakers. Um, are you did you also continue to do the things that you were doing in person virtually as well? So you're setting up your own Zoom meetings and inviting your newsletter list to to kind of come to it and that kind of thing. I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's interesting because I've noticed at different times of year, people are interested in attending things, you know, more or less, but right now I think is actually, even though it's easiest to speak, it's, it's probably the easiest time to speak in an event. It might be one of the hardest times to host an event. Uh, I'm still doing it, uh, but it's, I've noticed a lot harder to market and get, right. get through the through the people are just overwhelmed right? and they're just kind of sick sometimes sick of sitting in a in front of a computer um so that's where where i think more of a lead time for signups is important uh more of more of a focus on copy instead of a title and more of a, a focus in terms of like how are you actually marketing this if you're going to specific community groups instead of just maybe posting it online or blasting it to your email list uh, yeah, it's funny because we we had that conversation just this morning here at our staff meeting here at our office. We were talking about how um, how the 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 clients that are reaching out to us right now, our clients are we're still promoting the virtual stuff that we've been doing, you know, nonstop for the last you know eight months or so. But they're like, no, we're we got to get we got to get away from Zoom. We got to get away. We we're ready to to start meeting again in person. So hopefully that's a that's a a um, uh, a sign of the times. Maybe, maybe that's starting to, maybe that's a crack in the, in the uh, stay at home kind of stuff that's going on. At least that's what we're hoping. We're seeing more and more of that. So, so that, and, and I think that's the, I mean, they're, like you were talking about earlier, it's that, it's that connection that people have that, that interaction, that's where we build the yeah. trust and the camaraderie and the, and our ability to, you know, kind of help people. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we're, we're moving on to, to brighter things.
Yeah, it's the virtual space though. I mean, kind of like you hinted at about filling the room. I remember I was at a, I was an organizer of a meetup once. And I tell you, if you want to go to a place that has more groups than people that attend those groups, go to meetup.com <laughs> right. and hope they're not a sponsor. Uh, but during one of the organize, they had like an organizer training. So if you were active on their platform and seemed to have events, they would train you. And during the event, I remember one of the main trainers was, was depicting a story of the founder of Meetup. Uh, the founder of Meetup created a Meetup for his son, who was like in softball or baseball, little league or something. And at the first Meetup, one person came, like the founder of Meetup. And, right. wow. and so when you're hosting events, like you're going to have experiences like that. I've had experiences like that where I've hosted an event and I had like two or three people show up and you just have, to, you run with it and you give those two or three people the most attention that you can right. give them and you make it an unbelievable experience for them. Um, but what I've loved about the virtual world is that you can, you can avoid that. So you sell two or three tickets, you move it two weeks out. You say right. something happened, right? And yep. and so that's that's one of the I think a great a great aspect of the virtual world. Or you can even cancel the events and give them a one-on-one opportunity if you're a coach or you have a different service. So you can still build that relationship and and leverage it, but not have you know still not even have to do the event. Yeah, we did. We did. We had that happen quite often in the early stages of you know about about a year ago now, um, where we were promoting the virtual public speaking classes and things like that that we do, and we had one person show up, and that person got a lot of attention for for two, we hey it would be it turned into a one on one time, and it, it was funny because we actually as a result of the successes that we had with those first couple of experiences like that, we we started offering just the one on one coaching, and now and then we. We're able to actually create a whole brand new revenue stream, and it was actually a, a higher price point as well. So sometimes those accidental things turn into things that are really, really cool and create those really awesome relationships over time. So, yeah, but they only happen because you're consistent and you show up, and yep. you know you you set a goal and you work towards it, and yep. you do it fearlessly. Yep. Well, tell us about your 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 company, your organization, because you do something that's really kind of unique. There's not a lot of a lot of whole lot of consultants out there anyway that that um, help people really enjoy their job. You know, I mean, basically, you take that become that expert in what they're doing and really kind of kind of get to a point where they they are you know they can't wait to go to work the next day and that kind of thing, right? So, yeah, a lot of the same aspects of being successful at speaking, right? So you need to have clarity. What's your story? What's your brand? What do you want to achieve? What are your goals? Uh, confidence. You know, do you truly believe in yourself? Can you turn off that inner critic? Can you be present when you're speaking? Can you go actually spend some time investing in, in coaching for speaking? Can you go read books on it? Can you go practice? Uh, and control, do you have control over you know, your environment, your time of, you know, the, in the time that you're investing, are you intentionally actually working towards the things that you found out through clarity and through confidence? Those same traits, the, the three C's of self-leadership are applicable to anything. And where I've applied them is, is to your career. So, you know, do you know what you want to do? Do you know your brand at work? Do you know your personal brand and professional brand? Do you have your vision? Do you have that, that future career path that you want to go, go down, but not just that one path, do you understand the infinite amount of different paths that you can take and the similarities between them? And are you intentionally working towards that on a daily basis? Do you have control over 
you know, your own emotions and have you built relationships around yourself that are related to your career? Sure. And so the same things apply. And so basically I work with individuals to be more empowered and to feel more accountable for their levels of job satisfaction and fulfillment. And it's so often, it's incredible. People apply to the jobs that are listed online. They take the referrals that are given to them. Right. And then they go down the normal career trajectory, promotional path that, that's in front of them. And then they wonder why they're not happy. Right. At the same time, they have no boundaries in regards to the actual work they're doing. And sure. they believe success is moving up the food chain and getting a higher status and making more money. And they believe that failure is losing that job, which it, in essence, you're supposed to lose jobs. It's mm -hmm. a career for a reason. And that every time you lose a job, it's an opportunity for professional and personal growth. It's like one of the greatest opportunities you can have oh, basically yeah. in your lap. Totally. Uh, and and we, we forget that. So it's I work with individuals to ensure that they are on the career path they want. If it's launching a business, moving up the chain, but in, a, in an intentional way, um, or if it's pivoting industries, potentially like I did a few times. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, it, it's funny because I'm, I'm like listening to you and I'm like, oh God, that is so me. Cause I I've been fired from more companies than I think most, than most people have in their, on their resumes. So I guess, I guess, uh, I, I don't know if that probably says more about me than uh, my level of success, but anyway, um, but yeah, I think th it's funny that when you find what you're, what you're really good at, it's not work anymore. I mean, I, I love, I, I love what I do. I mean, this is so cool. I mean, I get to help people. I get to, um, uh, I get to go out and speak and get applause and stuff like that. I mean, those are things that most people don't get in their careers. And it only happened because of, you know, at, at, you know, getting fired a couple of times and figuring something out and then figuring out how to do something a little better and then getting hired and then getting a promotion, getting, getting recruited from that company because of what I had learned at the previous company and that kind of thing. And so they, it's, it's a process to kind of get that satisfaction level. So, so I, it sounds like what you're saying is that no matter what career you have, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to be kind of locked in, get to the point where you're, where you're, where you your um your satisfaction is is uh coming from from your your fulfillment right How, of of being able to really enjoy what you do and then it's not work anymore right yeah i i do like to put the disclaimer it's always <laughs> going to be work because you know you you even if you run your own company you're still you you still have clients and they're basically your bosses right uh, but I, I would suggest for people if they're interested in career changes and pivots to you speaking is a potential way to test that out. So go right. interview That's people what you did, yeah. that are in certain careers, go host your own events, go partner with other people and host events and see, you know, when you speak about something, when you research something, when you create content around something, you learn more about it and, and does it excite you? And, and if not, then maybe you don't want to go down that path. Right. And if it does, maybe you want to invest a little bit more time into it. Uh, I am very clear though, like for example, uh, you know, I was a side hustling coach for a while and a healthcare executive before that I was in health policy. And then I moved, you know, created this company, leadership or professional development. Uh, but also eventually I got a little bit bored because when you get really good at something, if you don't have very clear attachment to the meaning and don't have a path for challenges that are coming right. up and aren't working with people that you truly enjoy, you're going to get, you're going to feel stagnant and get bored. And so you need to be aware of, well, how do I want to keep building my career capital and keep evolving as a human? And so even I went, I sought out contract work within the space. And I was like, I want to go work with teams again and work global. And I want to try this out and re redefine how I do this. And so that was great. That was a fun thing to do for a little bit. 
And so really important, you know, for everyone to understand like your career is, is not, you're not supposed to find like the perfect place in your career. You're supposed to be aware of what the perfect, perfect place is and constantly adjust to achieve that. And yeah. so I highly, highly just want to stress that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally, totally agree. In fact, that's one of the things that, you know, early on and when I created the Leaders Institute, um, we, you know, first couple of years were really tough, you know, didn't have a whole lot of customers. And then all of a sudden the snowball started to roll and man, we were just growing by gangbusters, you know, leaps and bounds, you know, doubling, tripling um, customers and, and, and revenue every year for like five or six straight years. And it was funny because at that point I got to... I got to a point in my career where I was like, God, we are the best in the world at doing this. I mean, this, this team, me and the team that I've created, that there's nobody out there that does this any better. And I went on vacation for about a year or so. And boy, what toughest thing in the world <laughs> that I had to learn from, because uh, in that year that I kind of went on vacation, man, all of a sudden, every one of our competitors passed us out, uh, up and we were now on the back end trying to learn how to adapt to the the marketplace and so from that point on i think one of the things that drives the folks that that work for my company crazy about me is that they'll go out and do a, just the most fantastic thing ever and i'll praise them and go oh god you did awesome okay now how can we make that better and they're like why what wait a minute what no no it, it was good it was really really no it was great no, it, okay it was great but how but okay that that was great yesterday what can we do tomorrow how can we do that and i think it drives a lot of folks crazy because like oh, he's never satisfied. It's not that. It's just that I learned over the years that that it's that that success is a journey. You know, we're, you're constantly moving. And if you're not if you're not setting those goals out, if you're not challenging yourself, it's going to be hard to to kind of stay on top. But if you continue to do that, you can be at the top of the industry your entire career. Yeah. It's you know value the present and work towards the future. I, I find what works really well with that when you work with individuals is to you know, whatever they're aspiring to be, if they're aspiring to be a director or a C, whatever they're aspiring to be, you go to them and say, wow, that was an incredible presentation. I really see you as a director. Like I see you on that path right. to getting to that director. You know what we could really work on though, to ensure that you keep going and keep getting there. And so it's like, you give them that future-based recognition and then you throw in the, okay, this is what we're going to work on together. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it takes a little tact. That's not my strength, but yeah, sure. That's what I'm, I, I teach that stuff, but, but that's why the folks that are, I think, know, I, think I got at me now. Right? Li- so. Literally yesterday, I had a, and this is, this is funny. This is a little, I have a close relationship with my parents and I got it. And it was, it was funny. And when I, when I started becoming successful like a few years ago, uh, they actually realized that coaching was a profession. They never really got it. Right. It was like, what are you doing? You left what to go do, huh? And they're just like, they're like they haven't like like Ben's never asked us for money, so like he must be doing something right. But they, <laughs> sure. but they they uh they, my mom. It's so funny. They started watching my interviews. They, like they texted me the other day. Like I really loved how you asked those questions, but you should do this, this, and this. And so you know what? <laughs> you can critique. I'll, I'll get some critique. Home. I'll get some critique from my parents. I'll take it. You know, and, right. but always, always growing, always growing. Right. Hey, so if you ever want to be humbled, ask your parents. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you ask, you ask for somebody's opinion. They're always going to give it to you. Right. So, um, Hey, so how can folks kind of get in touch with you if they, if they want to find out more about, about your coaching or your consulting or how you've kind of marketed your, your company, like what, how could they do that? Yeah. So first off, hosting events all the time. So if you want to find out about some virtual events or maybe when we go back in person, 
go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com. It's my main nice. website, liveforyourselfconsulting.com. Uh, on that website too, you'll get a little pop-up and it'll ask you if you want to download your free guide to creating a career that you love. It's right there. Enter your email. You'll get a few extra tips from me. And I'm also open to having conversations. So reach out to me on LinkedIn, Dr. Benjamin Ritter. If you send a connection request, I'll send you my website link either way. So you're going <laughs> right. to get it. So check it out. Good deal. And I'll, I'll put uh, links to those things in the show notes as well. So you have those. So, so uh, uh, Dr. Ritter, thanks a lot for being a part of the podcast. And thank you guys for being, uh, being with us this week. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.